Let's join together in our call to worship. It's uh, printed up on the screen uh, responsibly. As they approached Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? You say, the Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it back here. They went away and found the colt tied at the door outside in the street, and they untied it. Some of the bystanders were saying to them, What are you doing untying the colt? They spoke to them, just as Jesus had told them, and they gave permission. They brought the colt to Jesus and put their coats on it, and he sat on it, and many spread their coats in the road, and others spread leafy branches which they had cut from the fields. Those who went in front and those who were who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. Amen.
Seems like there ought to be, I'm going to turn my volume back up here. Seems like there ought to be a, a, a way in which we can wave things around more than just one time a year. Yeah. Uh, doesn't it? Yeah. That our, our Lord is uh, worthy of that kind of honor. And, um, and maybe, uh, maybe some of you have some good ideas to tell me after the service. And, hey, well, Pastor, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? Some other thing. And, and, and that's so it just really is a lot of good uh, Good reason to be able to, able to lift our hearts and voices uh, unto the Lord. Um, it's just welcome to you all. God bless you. Thank you for uh, being here this uh, Sunday morning. And it's uh, nice to have that little extra activity uh, going on. And uh, we hope there will be a whole lot more of that in days and weeks to come at, uh, here at Tyler Memorial United Methodist Church. Um, Take a moment if there are any announcements that uh, somebody has, it's uh, good for us to know about. Pastor, yes, yes. just for the service, the second bell number and the choir number that we will be singing will come right after the prayer chorus. Yes. It, okay. was, it was just omitted. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. So when we get down to the prayer chorus. Um, We'll uh, have some more special music. Yeah, just good to have so much stuff. We don't have to put it on. All right, all right. Uh, let's uh, let's take a few moments. Uh, how many of you have some joys to tell about? Any I want to start off by saying this uh, this week I had a chance. I was uh, passing out some of the palms and the and the flyers that we had to go with it. Um, in uh, my, my old neighborhood and I uh, happened along one family and uh, the, uh, the, the dad was uh, telling me, we still have the palm from last year hanging on the refrigerator. That's my heart. Welcome to have. I mean, there's the, nothing different on the, the sheet that went with it. Uh, and I said, you can have it to pass along to someone else or whatever you want to do. But, uh, but it's nice to know. And uh, I heard some uh, feedback from some that they enjoyed being able to share the, that uh, devotional on a daily basis with their family and gave them some chance to, uh, to be able to uh, share some family stories as they did. And, uh, and I know we still have some extras of those uh, around the corner somewhere. And so if you want an extra one, it's, it'll be the week after Palm Sunday, but that, that'll be all right. It'll still be uh, worth sharing about those uh, character builders, uh, those stories. Um, uh, the palm and how it represents so many different things, uh, resiliency and strength and, and so on. And, uh, uh, and, and I think, uh, again, just good good kind of lessons that we can share with uh, the family. Well, and did anybody uh, have some experiences this past week that uh, kind of blends with Palm Sunday or some uh, unique joys? My unique joy is my husband went for his checkup on the uh, lung cancer nodule that we had radiation, he had radiation on, and uh, it's totally dissolved. It's not even there. Anyone else? Who else has? I mean, this testimonies and joys like this. It's not a who can top that. Sometimes we hear these good, stunning reports like that, and uh, well, where does my little joy compare with that? Well, 
If the Lord gave it to you, it's precious. Well, let's continue on then. Maybe somebody is uh, representing some prayers for uh, people that needs to be prayed about. Uh, let's take a few moments to, to pray about that. Pastor. Yes, yes. Um, last week I asked for prayer for um, stress test I was having, and it came back good. The only problem with that is I continue on my journey now and I have to have another procedure done on April the 15th. So please, it's a praise in one way and hopefully the next one will show the same thing and I'll not have any problems. Okay. We'll just continue as I am. All right. Good, well, we'll just keep praying. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Prayers for the Bonner family. Gloria uh, passed away this last week and um, continued prayers for him Derringer. Uh, I don't know Connie if you know if she's I, in, I haven't heard anything I think she may be in like a, a rehab facility to regain her strength but she's so weak that they haven't been able to do the chemo so hopefully they're going to get her built back up so that they can do the chemo. And prayers for Jim DeLong, um, who's battling cancer. And that's it. All right. We will pray for those. Yes. Um, prayers for my daughter, who lives in Pentecost, Florida. Her neighbors, uh, Chris and Bev Price, both have been diagnosed with cancer. Husband and wife. All right, we'll pray for your daughter's neighbors. Good people, they treat her they're like parents. Okay. Um, do their children and they watch after her a lot. Wonderful to have a family like that. Bruce Wire. He's the pastor of the High Street Church of Christ down the road. He tripped down three stairs and broke his foot. Oh, wow. Um, Amen, that's good. Yeah. 
for days. We're still playing the waiting game to get into the heart doctor. So again, um, and he came in now to the 13th of April. So we're still waiting. So remember him. I'll give an update on Bill real quick. My friend Bill, who had the um, extreme surgery for cancer, um, he's had a few blips over the last week. Well, actually, a couple. And um, but he he is fine. He's still progressing. It's a slow process. Just keep him in your prayers. Keep his wife in your prayers, and praise God that he's still here. Pray for. Wonderful. God's doing a gradual work, it sounds like. It's a, it's a lot of healing he has to do. I mean, it's affected his entire, basically, from the bottom of the chest to the top of the So, he had extreme surgery. <coughs> Great for all the people in the nursing homes and hospitals that aren't, you know, able to see um, their loved ones. Mm -hmm. okay. yeah. Let me uh, challenge you to uh, pray. Um, I, uh, my heart, I'm sure, is like yours, uh, broken and busted to pieces thinking about uh, um, those crossing the border now, um, those who I mean, if there was a, a legal way to bring them across, uh, how much better it would be if our first step in a new country was a legal step, but to be able to create the, the kind of situation um, that there exists now. Um, <coughs> there are two ways in which it's being played <laughs> wrong. Pray for me. I don't, I don't want to say this the wrong way. Um, and there's a positive way that I'd like you to pray about it. Um, there are Democrats and Republicans both at fault in creating the circumstance that we have today. It's not a one side against the other. It's both sides at fault if we trace it along one way or another. Um, if you're a Republican, pray for all Republicans to get it right. If you're a Democrat, pray for all Democrats to get it right, not wrong. Um, but uh, the children are the victims. Uh, the unhealthy who are coming across are the victims. Um, and, uh, and how many horrendous, um, tragic stories, brutal, things that are taking place that um, I dare not mention, um, but uh, maybe you've heard some of the stories yourself, but just horrific things that are being uh, done um, is a tragedy most unnecessary. Uh, I believe there will be many who will be held account by the master of all things. Uh, they will be held account for uh, what's taking place. Here's the challenge. What I want you to do is to pray that God will work in spite of what's going on. Uh, I've heard 
if we've all heard too much bad news. I love to hear, to hear where God puts his hand down and, uh, and causes some wonderful things to take place uh, where he reaches heaven down to the midst of them so that they can sense heaven, feel heaven, and uh, feel the glory of God coming upon them in, in wonderful, remarkable ways. Um, I've yet to hear a story of uh, an illegal alien or otherwise alien coming across the border, talking about all the hardships, and then saying, and yet, God sent his angel one night, and this is what happened. I'm, I want to be able to hear those kinds of stories. And uh, if I never get a chance to hear about those stories, I'd like to pray for them to happen, wouldn't you? All right, so may I challenge you to, just as often as we hear about it, just say, okay, Lord, I want to ignore the politics of it. I want to pray your glory down upon those people. Send someone to offer them Jesus Christ as Savior. Send them evangelists. Send them whatever, do whatever it is that God, that you do. But uh, work in spite of what's going on. And uh, uh, from Sunday to Sunday, I always say the altar is open for anything that we want to pray for. And if the knees don't bend, take the, if you feel like you want that special place to come forward, take a front pew and sit there and let that be your altar. Um, but uh, again, the altar is always open. All right, I always uh, close our list of things to pray about by uh, asking you to pray. Uh, how many it is at uh, this time of year? We're on the Easter walk. The Easter walk's almost over. And so what we need, uh, you know, we're just to say, Lord, I want to wrap it up strong. If there's something I need to do, if you're calling me to something new, help me with it. So if you're in that place where you think God is asking you to do something different or special for him, and you need his help, just raise your hand. Just, just to show him. And that's why I want you. Amen. God bless you. Just something, yeah. I'm just available, Lord. All right, I want to do something for you. Secondly, Someone that you're praying for that they would receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. If you're just uh, praying that someone would come to Christ. Uh, all right. Thank you. <coughs> Amen. Amen. All right. Our uh, prayer cords.
season, uh, we, uh, uh, every year it's uh, kind of an annual cycle to try to walk through the, uh, the whole Easter uh, narrative in the Gospels and uh, along with that to try to uh, grasp a little bit more of what it is that we believe is so precious and sacred to us. Um, and, uh, and this year is uh, just the same. We continue to try to learn to vote ourselves give attention to the things that make for a good disciple of Jesus Christ. And uh, so, too, we are Mark's Gospel, Chapter 10 today, taking a, a quick glimpse of the preparation that was coming to Peter, and thus to us all, as he engages uh, Jesus in comment. And, uh, and just like any comment that uh, goes to Jesus, it doesn't come in some grand isolation, but it comes in the stream of all that has been taking place. And uh, so we see uh, that here will, will play out. None of this has just come at the spur of the moment out of no context. And uh, so we, we see it uh, very quickly. Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 28 through 31. Peter began to say to him, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, 
Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses and brothers and sister and mothers and children and farms, along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. This is the precious Holy Word of God. When was the last time you heard someone say anything like this, or maybe you were the one who said it? Why did you do it? Whatever made you do such a thing? Why? Why on earth? Whatever possessed you to do such a thing as that? Now, you're, you're probably thinking negatively on that, and uh, that's what we would usually think, right? And it's like, young man, why did you hit your sister? Or uh, break that vase? Or uh, hurt the dog? Why did you, and, and the same could be said uh, for adults, or even like in a court setting, Mr. Tumblestuff, why did you steal that car, smash those flowers, start that fire, all kinds of sorts of things. And we could just as easily hear, hear it the other way around. My word, honey, what, all of a sudden, what's come over? Why did you bring flowers home tonight, today? You know, why did you uh, do the laundry for me and press all the clothes? Why did you uh, work at the flower bed and make it look, why did you, uh, there are all kinds of complimentary things that could be said. What possessed you to do such a thing like that? Uh, by that, that painting to hang on our wall, you knew that I wanted it, but it's, oh, it's too expensive for us. I mean, the same question, what, what on earth possessed you to do such a thing as that? And all the while that we might be thinking that, uh, how, what a ghastly thing, a certain person, why, why would they do such a thing? If we understood the intention, it may, might make us have a, a brighter understanding of what did possess them to do such a thing. Or likewise, no matter how marvelous something was that someone did, if we knew the intention behind it, we might understand what they were doing to try to make up for something else. Uh, the intention is everything. And it's just like in this passage of Scripture when Jesus speaks these words. Now, it's good to just take the words at face value. Uh, the, the words of Jesus, uh, that Peter says to Jesus, uh, is just uh, simply, he says, Behold, we've left everything to follow you. We, we've Look at us, Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. Now, we look at words like that, and oh, stab in the heart. Oh my goodness, because uh, we stop and think, you know, how much have we really left in order to follow Jesus? Um, and that, that used to be a burning question for us. 
uh, and uh, because uh, we, we do look at how many things we still have, and uh, it is uh, so. Peter's words are kind of refreshing for us to kind of examine our lives all over again, considering what what, what, what am I really living for? Uh, and, and yet, before we get too complimentary of Peter, what are his intentions? What are the motives behind what he's saying here? Uh, again, from the outset, behold, Jesus, Master, our Lord, look at us. We, we've, left, we've left everything to follow you. Where is he going with a, a, a statement like that? You know, we're looking, looking for the kudos. You know, we're looking for uh, what, what are you going to give us? Uh, what, how are you going to reward us that we've left everything? But what are the intentions? What is he really trying to get at with a question like this? Uh, we try to think about you know, what, what it is that we do in, in, in life. You know, there's a lot of ways in which we we'd prefer not to be, to sacrifice ourselves to the circumstance, and there's a lot of ways that we would prefer to blend in with what's going on rather than uh, take a lead. Uh, taking a lead is a lot more sacrificial. Uh, we think about uh, what it is to leave everything and kind of stand on our own. For instance, there are individual sports, there are individual events that take place in schools where um, you got no one to blame but yourself. Uh, wrestling. <laughs> If you lose, you can't blame the other guy, right? Uh, 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 sports like uh, gymnastics, floor exercises, uh, ice skating, um, uh, you're there on your own. Uh, if someone outperforms you, you can't blame anybody else. It's you or them. And uh, individual events like diving. I mean, imagine you're on this board and you're standing out there and there's, there's, everyone is all spaced out everywhere else and there you are all by yourself. There's no one behind you, there's no one else there. I mean, if you, it's you and the board and the water below and whatever you do, <laughs> it's you. It's you. Um, school, school's just gotten over the, you know, the brainiac kind of things right now. It's like, like the uh, regional spelling bees uh, and, uh, yeah, the, the winners have been selected based on standing out there all by themselves with no one to help them remember how to spell certain words. Uh, same thing with uh, geography bees, science bees, uh, same thing with uh, other kind of events like uh, musical events where they're, uh, they're, they're solo uh, and ensemble occasions or the vocal training, the people with their instruments, it's, it's just them. They've got to stand on their own. Uh, and, and, and there they are. They've left everything, and there they are uh, with the world as their judges. And uh, standing by themselves. Well, that occurs too uh, in life. Farming can be a rather lonely profession. Um, the crops are either going to grow or die, often based on what you do. Not just the weather, but uh, whatever the farmer does, if they neglect something along the way, um, their yield is not as good as it could have been. Uh, and uh, starting a business, same thing. 
there are a lot of, a lot of ways in which people step out um, with nothing to help them. And it kind of gets at what Peter is stating to Jesus. Lord, we've left everything. What about us? Now, granted, Peter is, in this instance, he's not saying, Lord, I have left, forget about the rest of God. I, the attention's not on Peter, he's learning to spread it out on the, the other disciples, but he's saying, we, we have left everything. And also notice, he doesn't say, we have left everyone. So in other words, they haven't left everyone. You could almost imply that maybe because of leaving everything, house, home, family, their jobs, their employment, uh, their bank accounts, their stamp collection. No, not the stamp collection. Left everything. What does it mean to leave everything? Peter said, Lord, we've left everything. We've left everything to follow you. What would make Peter say such a thing out of the blue? Well, it wasn't out of the blue. What happened just before was uh, the encounter that Jesus had with a rich young man who um, came to Jesus with a burning question. He was coming to Jesus and saying, what is it that I can do uh, to gain the kingdom? What is it that I can do to inherit eternal life? He said back in verse 17. And, and Jesus um, began to recite to him the commandments. Well, if, if, you, if you want to know what to do to gain eternal life, and he starts listing through the commandments, uh, murder, adultery, uh, stealing, false witness, uh, obeying father and mother, uh, he's, he's listing these commandments, and, um, and, and the man says, oh, I've done all these things, I've done all these things. Uh, and, then Jesus says to him, well, if you really want an answer to your question, the one thing you lack, the one thing that's getting in the way, the one thing that's standing in front of you, that's the elephant in the room, that you need to go and sell all that you possess and give them to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven, and then Come follow me. Wow. All of that. Now, there's a lot going on in that request. And there's a lot going on in that event. The very fact that a rich man would come to Jesus with that request and say, how can I gain the kingdom of heaven already defies the social understanding of a rich man. A rich man was understood to be a person who was blessed by God. There's no way you could be rich unless God blessed your life. There's no way that I can be poor except that, that I did not gain the favor of God and God made me poor because I deserve to be poor. I'm unblessed. But the rich man is blessed. Look at him. All that he's got, God gave those things to him. That was the understanding of the day. It blew the disciples' mind to see Jesus not roll over and say, yeah, my, my goodness, you asking me about how to inherit heaven? Well, you already got it. You're rich. Look how blessed you are. That's all the proof you need. 
this man, in spite of the social understanding that if you're rich, you're blessed, understood the vacancy of his life, understood the sorrow in his heart, understood how empty he felt, and he's thinking, there's no way I can be blessed. He comes to Jesus in his bankruptcy of heart, and he says to Jesus, what can I do? It's, it's killing me. It's burning me up inside. I, I don't know the answer. What can I do to gain heaven? How can I get to the point where I, I feel an assurance in my heart that that's reserved for me? This is the occasion that brings this man to Jesus to ask this deeply personal question, this agonizing question. And Jesus breaks the social norms and says to him, this is what you need to do. Commandments? Yes, I'm doing all those things. Uh, Jesus says to him, go and take all that you have, sell, have a liquidation sale, get rid of everything that you have. And Notice what Jesus didn't ask him to do. He didn't say to the rich man, sell all this stuff and give it to my ministry. Right? Jesus didn't say, well, we could use this, all these resources as part of our gospel ministry. Give it to us. Give it to us. Jesus doesn't say that. He says, give this to the poor. This is incredible. This is an incredible example that Jesus is giving demonstrating how useless to the kingdom wealth by itself is. People who trust in wealth, trusting in the wrong thing. Then Jesus says to him, after you give this stuff to the poor, then follow me. The scripture says this man was sorrowful, couldn't do this, couldn't accomplish this. Someone might be thinking, well, my goodness, this, this, you know, no one can do that. How can anyone give all they have and then uh, give it to the poor and then follow Jesus? How can anyone? This is a this is a question too much. This is a demand too much for anybody. Uh, why would Jesus say such a thing like that to him? Well, one, Jesus knows what to tell everyone. He knows what's standing in the way of them and gospel purity, and he knows how to get at it. And for this man, Jesus said, you're trusting in your riches. And for anyone who would say, well, well this, he can't, Jesus can't, this is just too arbitrary, this is too random, this is too severe. Well, Jesus, Jesus could say, I've already asked this of one fellow and he's done it. Matthew, the Levi, Matthew, the otherwise named Levi, the tax collector, uh, when he came to Levi and said, uh, come follow me, Levi gave up his tax practice and left it. His whole source of income, which gave, gave him a wealthy lifestyle, as soon as a person would walk away from their tax business, Rome would put another person in their place on the moment, because they can't be without someone pulling in the tax revenues. So in other words, Levi walked away from his total means of wealthy support that he had a prosperous living from, living well-to-do, he left it all behind, and uh, no one could say, Jesus, you've never asked anyone else to do this. 
Because Jesus said, yeah, I've got Matthew. I've got Matthew. So he told this rich man, what's standing in your way is your disbelief that God can support you. Your disbelief. I'm inviting you. Jesus is saying to the rich man, I'm inviting you to absolutely trust God to support you. Couldn't do it. He walked away from it. It broke the heart of Jesus. Now, Peter, seeing this, seeing this, seeing Jesus turn this rich man away, and it's like, well, tell him, tell him that he can keep 25% and give away 75% follow us. That's something, isn't it? That's progress. What would ministries do today? If there was a fellow whose wealth was getting in their way of total commitment to Christ, would they settle for less? And so Peter seeing this, Peter seeing this, thinking, my goodness, Jesus is not giving this wealthy man any credit at all, sending him away. What about us? What about us? That's why Peter comes to Jesus and saying, my goodness, you just sent this wealthy guy away. What about us? We've left, we've left family, we've left houses and homes, we've left our business, we've left all these things. What about us? Earlier they'd been arguing all the time about who was great, who was going to be greater in the kingdom of heaven. Earlier they were arguing about what, what status they might have. And, and, and for Peter, his question was, well, are you just going to you know, treat us all as zeros in this whole thing? And uh, you know, are we going to count for nothing in all of this? Well, what about us? Jesus. was defining what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus was defining to Peter what it meant to be a true follower of Christ. He was defining and getting at the very crux of the matter what it is to be a, a true disciple. Uh, and again, getting at the intentions. The question, why are you, what on earth would possess you, would cause you to be a follower of Jesus? Is it just about you? Or is it all about him? Jesus was uh, constantly challenging the disciples uh, according to what were decent and appropriate expectations. We think about the time of uh, when the disciples were in the garden of uh, Mount of Olives and, uh, and Jesus had asked the three, if you'd follow, uh, follow along with me um, and stay awake while I pray. And of course the scripture says three times the disciples are falling asleep. And uh, we always think that, well, it just seems kind of natural. They, they spent a busy, tiresome week of following Jesus, and it's only natural that these guys would be tired and fall asleep three different times. Except that Peter and James and John were asked to come a little 
uh, come with Jesus and stay awake. They were fishermen for a living. Fishermen worked at night. They should have been pretty good at staying awake at night. And so when Jesus said, stay awake with me, it wasn't asking too much of them. But they fell asleep. They let the tiredness and the fatigue of the day get the, the best of them. Uh, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, it's a, it is a sacrificial venture. It is a venture where we learn not to hang tight to our possessions that uh, at a moment God could ask us to trust Him, let go of certain things, no matter how precious and important they are to us. Uh, I remember the confession of a church member told his pastor, forgive me, pastor, I, I know I've been in the habit of praying for you in the ministry of this church a uh, couple hours on Sunday night starting at 9 o'clock and I would pray for the church a couple hours. Uh, I, I just haven't been doing that the last uh, few weeks. I bet. Forgive me, please. Uh, what does it mean to follow Jesus? There are a lot of things that God calls us into. The servant of uh, Christ has to believe how much greater the rewards for sacrifice are than the loss of, of hoarding uh, possessions. Um, a follower of Christ has to have faith that surrendering things to Christ will pay off more, not necessarily financially, but will pay off more to obey than to rebel. Um, Edgerton Young did mission work in uh, Saskatchewan amongst the Indians that lived there. One time he was explaining and stressing to the Indians that God is our Father. And just explaining the point that God is our Father. Well, the Indian chief of the tribe, his eyes brightened up really quickly. Did you say what, that he's our, our Father? And the, uh, uh, Mr. Young said, yes, God indeed is the father of us all convert to Christ all he's the father of us all then the Indian chief said well if he's the father of us all that makes us brothers doesn't it the men were there well oh yeah young said, yes yes we're, we're brothers we're, we're brothers we would all be brothers and sisters of one another who name the name of Christ as our savior well think what that accomplishes when Jesus said that to get up and follow him, you might have to leave family. Uh, you might have to leave uh, uh, sons and daughters uh, that you leave in other towns to fend for themselves as you go on, and to, to, be, uh, to leave your home, your business, uh, all the things that you've held familiar, uh, to be able to leave all these things. You think, oh my, what I've, I've lost, but we have to stop thinking about what we gain. The moment we take Jesus as our Savior, our family just got bigger. Our family just got bigger. Uh, even so, I mean, what, what does that do in our own families? I mean, if your uh, grandfather's a Christian and uh, uh, you're a Christian, you can look at your grandfather and say, well, but that means we're brothers. Hey, brother, grandpa, that's, you're, my, you're my brother. <laughs> and the same thing, your sister, grandma, how are you doing today? I mean, we're, we're brothers and sisters of one another. How cool is that? Um, and so we're family. 
You know, instead of the, whole, the family we have back home, look how big our family is here. It's like, my family, nobody's a doctor, but hey, God's family, God, there are doctors all over the place. There are all kinds of people that we can find with uh, incredible kinds of talents and devotion that, uh, that they have that we gain and we benefit by because family, our family just got bigger. And even in this present age, remember the story of Job. Remember the story of Job, that uh, when Job lost uh, all that was precious, all that was sacred, all that was his possessions, everything was des destroyed, all he had left with his, was his wife, and then uh, in time God doubled everything that he had, doubled his family, doubled his possessions, and, uh, and, and uh, the rewards of being faithful to God um, can uh, be unfolded before our eyes, literally before our eyes. I was in one church where there was a retired man who took upon himself to do all the light home repairs of all the widows in the church. See how big the family got? Uh, there was another, another man who would write letters for all the folks that had poor eyesight and they couldn't, their hands would got to the point where they were too shaky and he'd say, what do you want me to write a letter for? And he, he would do that for them. Um, there was a dear lady who would do the sewing for families who couldn't accomplish doing sewing. And, 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 and so as a, as a family of God, I mean, all kinds of things that we benefit by, we think about, oh, what I've lost to follow Jesus. Well, well look what we've gained by following him. Um, think about that. Um, think about, uh, think about uh, the, the, all the other dear family. But think about Think about the things that, um, that you grew up with that mom and dad would say to you in order to help you be uh, a, a person who could take their place in society. Now, I've, I've yet to have someone come up to me in the church and say, Pastor, you're wearing that tie with that? I mean, why? And I had never had someone do that to me. And, and, but isn't that a mom kind of a thing? Isn't that kind of a dad thing? to do. Uh, we think about the ways in which we can help one another in the church. We have so many ways that we benefit by one another. And uh, now watch you. Everyone will be telling me what I'm wearing next. Uh, so, um, but yeah, there, there are all kinds of ways in which we benefit by being the family of God. The family of God. And uh, I, uh, I remember uh, uh, remember what the, the, the novelty of uh, you know, thinking passed through the generations. Uh, you know, if, if we if we can look at every one of them here as being brother and sister, us um, think about think about one of your brothers being a king. Well, that's true of all of us, really. King David, King Solomon, one of your sisters being Deborah, the prophetess. Ruth, you think about uh, uh, Ruth or Esther, you think about, uh, uh, think about one of your brothers being uh, someone who was in the belly of a whale for a while, you know, Noah, think about Job, think about other brothers and sisters of ours in Christ. Uh, the family just got bigger by naming Christ as Savior. Uh, so many uh, different joys and privileges that we have when we walk away from the uh, from the things that we held dear, we've actually stepped into something greater and more profound. 
so when Jesus told the rich man, step away from all this, you'll have treasure in heaven. He couldn't see what Jesus was telling him. He missed his great opportunity. Uh, the Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas told in an interview um, about the uh, sacrifice that his grandfather put on him, his grandfather raised him, uh, but a sacrifice that his uh, grandfather put on him the day that the local library finally declared that blacks could come and get books and check them out. And his grandfather didn't make things easier for Clarence. He said, Clarence, you have a duty. You have an obligation to go to that library and check out books and read them. You have a duty now to use your mind. Did the same thing with school, same thing with school. He said, you have a duty, you have an obligation. Uh, you don't, you, he, Clarence wanted to just have fun with all the neighborhood kids and have, uh, you know, just do fun stuff. But his grandfather said, no, you have an obligation to make something of your mind. You have an obligation. You have the chance to be able to train your mind so that you can get paid for working with your mind and not like me, who only, the only choice I could ever have in life because I never was able to learn to read, I, I have to work only with my hands. And he said, you have a duty and an obligation uh, for the next generation to be able to do this. Tony Campolo told of the story about dashing out to the bus how many times his mother would, would uh, have to holler at him, Tony, you forgot your lunch, don't forget your lunch. That's how his mother would take care of him, don't forget your lunch. He said the Jewish family down the road, down the, down the next house over, uh, the, the, the young man would go out to the bus, dashing off, the mother would flash the door open and holler out, Reuben, don't forget your books, don't forget your books. Think about the priorities. Um, what is uh, the sacrifice of this generation? Let me see if I can bring this toward a close. What is the sacrifice of this generation? I'd, I'd say really immediately. The sacrifice of this generation, if I had a chance to speak to graduates, I would tell them, the sacrifice that you have is to put this country back in shape again after a year plus of COVID. And I would challenge this year's graduating class and saying, listen, forevermore, you're going to be the class of 20." 21, you're going to be the class that future employers will always look at you critically and say, you're the group that got shorted on your education. You're the group that was uh, stuck with so many uh, day, imperfect days of imperfect learning. Uh, you're the, the generation, you're the class that has so many, many strikes against you. Uh, if you graduated in 2020, I'd have been glad to hire you, or if you were 2022, I might have been more happy, but you're the class of 2021. And I would challenge this group and say, in spite of all that worked against you, what are you doing to overcome it? How can you tell your future employers, hire me, because in the midst of this, I did not sit idly. These are the books I read, these are the courses online that I took, these are the ways in which I prepared myself, 
I wanted to make sure that the day I graduated that I was more prepared than anyone else. And after the diploma is in hand, this is how I am devoting myself. I know that our country was held back for a year, but I understand that it is my task and my duty to sacrifice myself to put things back together again. Similar, similarly, since I don't have the graduating class here, I tell the church. For those who are listening online, spread the word. The church, I have a similar challenge. We're the generation that has no excuse. We're the generation that has been through the whole COVID thing. We're the generation that can look back and say, this past year in the church has been tough. But we've got so many strikes against us. Ah, oh, but let someone else take care of it. That's their job. Um, someone younger and more energy and uh, let, let them do it. I've done my bit. No, know what? I'm here to say we don't have the excuse. We've got the chance, like what Peter said, Jesus, Jesus, look at us. We've left family. We've left jobs. We've left everything familiar to follow you. What about us? What we need now are folks who can say, I'm ready. I'm ready for that challenge. I'm ready for that challenge. Remember I said during the beginning of the message, all things were coming together. Jesus was giving the final brush on preparation of his disciples. He was telling them, these are the things that you need to do to make yourself uh, ready for what's to come. Because you can follow me now, but when I'm gone, who are you going to follow? What are you going to follow? When Jesus was taken from the earth, who's going to follow? What are they going to do? Uh, what were their intentions going to be? Um, the very next thing that was going to happen after this chapter was chapter 11. And chapter 11 was what? As they approached Jerusalem at Bethany and Bethphage, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples to go and prepare for the Passover, but also uh, to get the donkey and get ready for the triumphal entry. And so no matter what the disciples thought of ministry and life, the valor and the glory that they might get from it, the whole trip down to Jerusalem where everybody's waving palm branches and and all this attention on them, the disciples, if they uh, would, would be tempted to think, wow, look at us, look at all this celebration. Uh, they're, they're, they're praising Jesus. Jesus is coming down, riding on that donkey, uh, fulfilling uh, Zechariah 9. Here comes the king uh, announcing peace. Everyone's waving the palm branches, which is a symbol of peace. Here is the king coming, saying warfare is over, peace has come. Here comes this king, everyone is waving branches, it's Jesus, and we're the ones most closely associated with Jesus. So the praise is on Jesus, but we're getting the secondary praise. Look at us, look at us. Jesus is trying to drive that notion from his followers and saying, don't be tempted to absorb all of that attention and make more of it than what it is. Because even the palm branches have to be cut from their source of life in order to be waved about. Don't forget that, disciples. Even the palm branches have to be cut from their source of life. You're following me. 
is sacrificial. By choosing to follow me, your life has now become sacrificial. Even so, I'm here to say, there are rewards that go with that sacrifice, but it's sacrificial. So friends, Palm Sunday is a great day because it lifts up everything that's right. It lifts up everything that's magnificent. It lifts up everything that is pure and true. Uh, but the truest of all things is whatever we have to sacrifice in following Jesus is not a loss. You hear that now? No matter what we sacrifice for Jesus is not a loss. Thus, <laughs> thus, fear not in being sacrificial and doing what you can to put the church back in shape after a year of COVID. Fear not of going beyond that in how you follow Jesus. Amen? All right. Let's sing and I'll give you a benediction afterwards. All right?
take them home with you. Let them last as long as they would last. Whether they survive a long time, whether they don't. Because the point of it is to remember what they represent and uh, rem to represent a symbol for us, how we can live our lives for him. To wave ourselves before Christ and put all the attention on him. Our lives is a glorious sacrifice for the one who's worthy of, of that praise. One who's deserving of our t attention and devotion. One who um, doesn't make any difference what we give up to him. He gives so much more in return in this life and the next. So friends, take those, those palms with you and cherish the symbol of what they represent and evermore become a representation of that symbol in life. Go forth in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.